Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored, putting all his business in the street. The podcast, bless his heart. The name, Ken Williams. I go walking the halls and run into one of my literacy coaches. She commences to blasting me about a directive to clean out a huge and messy large storage room. She was livid, trembling and crying, upset with me over, get this, something I did not come close to saying. Dick twisted a message I gave him and completely fucked up and fucked me. In a nutshell, he delivered a message that was completely twisted that pissed my literacy coach off and she took that opportunity to express her displeasure. She was upset, baby. What struck me is that even after explaining that I said no such thing, she chose to stay angry. Even after I called Dick down to verify that I said no such thing, she remained extremely upset with me. It got me to thinking and wondering if that was all she was upset about. I think she resents me for the staffing decisions I made regarding the literacy coach position. And while she had my attention, she was going to unleash all of her anger and resentment. Once that began to make more sense to me, I was able to slowly make my peace with it and let it go. What I struggle with at times is the need to be liked. And I know she took that opportunity to completely drag my name through the mud. And I wished I could go to each and every one of those people she told and tell my side of the story. But I don't have that luxury. I, as the leader, often have to live with the rumors and false perceptions. I have to focus my energy on modeling the way from day to day, letting my actions serve as my character compass. Hey, listen, I have revamped my professional development offerings. You can find them at unfoldthesoul.com. Touch the speaking tab. I've got two new offerings. The first is the three-hour virtual PD experience with me. And then the second is the in-person PD experience. Notice I don't call these presentations or workshops because I don't know. No, but I do know. I've gotten to a point in my career. One, my confidence is at an all-time high. I know equity like no one else. I know how to make it practical, tangible, meaningful. I know I could turn those states around who have foolishly banned equity from uh, any of their policies. I can help districts that have policies around equity, but they're spinning in circles, having conversations that don't lead to any kind of improvement in student learning. I can move your district from PLC light to PLC right. 
because I explain PLCs like no one else. I simplify it. It's authentic. I can take all those moving parts that are swirling around you, all the moving parts and make them make sense. If you are interested in advancing your mission of learning for all, advancing your mission of equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background. If you're a fan of ruthless equity and um, want to move your staff or district forward with it, get at a brother now. Go to my site, go to my page, unfoldthesoul.com. Fill out that quick form, set up a phone call with me, and let's make this thing happen. Lastly, if you've not picked up my book yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. You know what Ruthless Equity reminds me of? It reminds me of that book I read. It's called, uh, uh, reminds me of, of nothing. Nothing. And I got 950,000, 1,100 books behind me right now on this shelf. And some of them are great. But none of them are like Ruthless Equity. Ruthless Equity is a book like no other, explains equity like no other, speaks to you like no other, the coach on your shoulder, the guide on your side to move you from rhetoric to results regarding your journey with equity. Pick up a copy of Ruthless Equity at Amazon.com. If you are a fan, you've read it, take a minute, please, and leave a review on Amazon.com. Now, back to the podcast. All right, baby, let's get into it. Man, this one's got layers, layers, layers. I remember reading a book. I can't remember the author's name. I should have looked it up before I started this portion of the podcast, but it's already started, baby. I'm not recording it over again. The book is called The QBQ, The Question Behind the Question. Who wrote this damn book? I should give this man credit. Hold on a damn second. I want to give him credit. Uh, QBQ. John G. Miller. And he, he talked about the QBQ stands for the question behind the question. And that's what this episode reminds me of is she's mad at me and legit mad because she received some misinformation that set her off. Right. But after, like I mentioned, after I cleared my name, I, I, I brought down a character witness to help clear my name. I, you know, I, I brought down a man with some testimony to clear my name. She was still mad as all hell. I'm not talking about um, the kind of mad, you know, when when we've been you've been mad about something and then it gets it gets cleared up, but your mad feelings don't go away right away. You need time to kind of dial it back to calm down. This wasn't one of those situations. She stayed on tilt, baby on tilt which told me that uh, there was something else going on with that and it, it just reminds me of you know you get older and hopefully wisdom kind of guides you I have rid my life of people who force me to search for the question behind the question now when I say get rid of people I'm not talking about family family your ass is stuck with and sometimes you got people in your family and I got a couple of people in my family, love them to death, but it's uh, no matter what they say, it feels like a word search. I'm, I'm, I'm searching for what they really mean. And that drives me crazy. But folks, I got a choice to have around me. I definitely 
I gravitate toward people who I simply don't have to second guess what they're saying. It's just refreshing. Even when it's something I don't want to hear. Even when it's something I don't want to hear, I never have to question it. You know, I just came back from the SAM conference in Tucson and the organizer of the conference is Mark Schellinger. He's a former school administrator, former district leader. He now runs this organization that uh, has a tool where principals are able to track their time and maximize every minute of the day. I love Mark. Mark is off the chain, eclectic, innovative, a risk taker. And I think what I love most about him is what he says. I don't have to second guess anything. Like, I, don't have to, I don't have to wonder it. And Mark's a straight shooter. So, you know, we've worked together for several years now and 90% of the time I'm getting feedback that just has you floating. But, you know, you work together enough, there are going to be times you got to get some constructive feedback. Mark is not afraid to give it. And I don't have to wonder whether it meant something else, whether he's implying something, whether he just shoots straight and put it out there. And I love that because he operates with this... Uh, in my mind, it's kind of confidence. Like, you know I care about you. And so what I say to you, whether you want to hear it or not, whether it feels good or not, is in your best interest. And I have no doubt about that. Like, I have no doubt about that. And I love that about him and all the other people in my life who just, just shoot straight. Just shoot straight. Even if it takes a little time to get around to it. Just shoot straight. You know what else drives me crazy about folks who often have the question behind the question or the issue behind the issue like this person did? And look, she was so mad. I didn't even like bother to try to dig to find out what it was. I just figured it was the whole damn year. It was that sometimes those same people, because they operate that way, because they operate with like, uh, you know, veiled messages or, you know, the uh, uh, you know a question behind the question or some meaning behind what they're saying then sometimes they assume that you operate that way as well because that's the lens, like that's their life lens. They then project that onto you. So then I'll have people, I'll say something that I mean, right? Say what I mean, mean what I say. And it's like, well, did you really mean to? Or did you want, there's a, no, no, a person. No, I, I meant what exactly what I damn said. I meant exactly what I said. So that was, uh, that was definitely one layer of it. Another was, um, you know, I, I've said this before that at my core, I'm a people pleaser. You know, you read Ruthless Equity, you might not think that way because I shoot pretty straight there, but that's a muscle that I've grown. I mean, I've, I've grown that muscle in uh, the way I write. I've grown that muscle regarding the experiences I provide when I work on site or virtually with your school or district. Um, my my work has always been meaningful. It's always been impactful. But I will say over time, I've cut out a lot of the fluff and we just hit it and quit it. And I find that I operate with a different type of urgency now. And a piece of that is releasing this notion of wanting to be liked. You know my work, right? I mean, if you've listened to this podcast enough, if you've worked with me on any level, you know, it's I'm about disrupting that status quo and not disrupting for the sake of disrupting, disrupting because it needs to be disrupted, 
right? Because it's inherently inequitable and, you know, serve students best when they're born on third base. And so to make any kind of like all breakthroughs are born of disruption and to disrupt, you've got to find a place where you're comfortable with your approval rating taking a hit. And I, I, I've said this before, it's one of the ancillary reasons why I went into leadership is, is to challenge myself because I knew I was a people pleaser. I knew that, you know, if you asked me 20 years ago what it meant to be a great leader is like making everybody happy. And I figured if I spoiled the shit out of my staff and bend over backwards and tried to solve every problem that you know, that they would just kind of follow along and fall in line. And, you know, I learned the hard way that that's not how people operate. That's not how people operate. And it's not effective. You know, what, what is effective is understanding the visionary aspects of leadership, the aspects of leadership where you have to see the dawn before the day when you know you're about to ask your teachers and staff to engage in practices that they may not uh, agree with on the outset, but you are so sure that if they engage those practices with fidelity, they're going to get better results, which will change their attitudes. But you have to kind of ride that period of uncertainty, that period of when they're working and don't have the results yet. That's a visionary part of leadership that for some reason is disappearing from the tenets of leadership these days. Like the leaders are being deballed these days. It, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. She was pissed about something else. Which brings us to the next layer. And that is the, you know, going along with that need to be liked, that burden of not being able to defend myself. That was a tough one for me early on in my leadership. It was tough, you know, especially when I knew I was being dragged, you know, like you have a meeting behind closed doors, you know, it went one way, but then Ms. McGillicuddy leave and she telling everybody, a whole different story about what happened behind those closed doors and and I just I just revert to like a fourth grader at that point like I won't go no uh that's not what happened no uh no uh that's not what happened no uh Dwayne no uh you know that's what I want to say but you don't have that luxury as a leader you don't you can pass your problems across to another colleague another principal and commiserate or get some coaching but not defending yourself in this way is just part of the burden of leadership. And you've got to embrace that and be okay with it. And I learned to be okay with it over time, but you've got to engage it to be that way. You're not going to read yourself into this part of leadership. You're not going to uh, listen yourself into embracing this part of leadership. You have to walk it. You've got to walk those hot coals and, and make that happen. Because again, you cannot pass your problems down you can barely pass them across, you know, depending on the kind of relationship you have with your assistant principal, but you can definitely pass it to another colleague. Lastly, I also decided to put my ego aside and just, you know, endure her wrath. You know, it's uh, truthfully her ass was out of there anyway. And that was, you know, I'm outcomes focused, as you know, all I cared about was, hey, I. I could have made a big deal out of, you know, the tone of her voice and, you know, insubordination and, you know, trying to pull rank and all that kind of ego shit, which has its place, which has its place. But it just didn't there, just didn't meet my outcomes. It was another few days and she was going to be out of there for good. 
So I was willing to just endure what was going on. Plus, she was at a 12 out of 10. And anything I said was just going to throw, you know, lighter fluid on an already raging fire. So it was all good in the hood because the door was about to hit her in the can anyway, baby. Anyway. So remember those leadership lessons about, you know, the burden of not being liked, understanding the visionary part of leadership, that question behind the question. Are you the type of leader where your staff has to second guess what you say? Are they having to peel back layers to find out what you really mean? You've got to move away from that and not be so caught up in your approval rating that your communication suffers. So really sit with that, reflect on it. If you've got great communication skills, continue them. If this episode awakened any part of you that has you questioning your communication skills, work on it. And remember to always start with the crown. the next episode of the unfolded soul bless his heart leadership podcast you got to act as if baby yes our district was one of the most struggling districts in the greater atlanta area but their ap screening process didn't give me struggling district energy it gave me high performing district energy act as if baby act as if you've been listening to the unfold the soul bless his heart podcast with ken williams for more information about ken visit unfoldthesoul.com.